Well, what do you say, audience? Got another episode of Rambling Viking Podcast with you here today. Now, fun fact for you. It's just me, which I feel like it's been a, been a while since it's been just me. I mean, we've really been focusing hard on those NFC Least podcast episodes. So, I mean, that's been the bread and butter. There's so much going on, though. It's I've really been sitting back saying... Gosh, I like I could talk about this one thing and probably talk for 45 minutes to an hour on this one thing, or I could talk about this thing and I'm like, I don't know if I want to record and do episode overload like I personally think the Charlie Kirk show does if you're familiar with that at all. He drops like two a day and it's just too much. It's too much. And then no, that's a good problem to have. I think Tim Pool does the same thing, right? He drops like four or five videos a day and then a two hour podcast every night. So yeah, it's one of those things. But I'm, I was just so tired of it, and I feel like I've got this bottled up, just all these bottled up thoughts. And I'm, and I'm, for whatever reason, I always talk myself to being on the fence. Like, do I really need to talk about it? Everybody's talking about it. And it's like, look, I got this podcast to be able to talk into a microphone and air things out. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, that really that was a long way to say that fun fact. Other fun fact is I, if you haven't already figured out, I name my episodes usually after the episode. Because I've thought I've tried to preemptively name and like depending on how topic specific it is, all I can kind of preemptively name or at least have an idea. But but like with this little chit chat, which I've thought about thought about that for a name. And if you're listening to this, you already know the name, so it's fine. But this is a little fun fact. I choose my names after the episode, depending on how it goes, because usually I can find something creative to play with in there. So there there's your fun fact for the day. Um yeah, because something I've personally been wrestling with is, um, well, not saying um so much. Jeez, you freaking noob. I'm 130 plus episodes deep and I'm still dropping um bombs like that? Jeez. So, is seriousness versus lightheartedness, right? It's this internal battle of like, obviously, uh, politics have become everything, everything. I mean, people who literally are the most apolitical will have a stance and it's become such a tense tense part of everything because when everything becomes political then politics become everything right and so it's something where i mean you've seen in certain realms regarding ratings on on, in sports leagues and things like that like they've kind of dropped and taken a plummet because of just the politicization because people just don't want politics in everything i mean freaking yelp has asked me every time i open yelp first of all every time i open anything Right now, it's like, are you registered to vote? Which, let me say, is great. Is great, right? It's totally great. I'm getting off track here. So I'm going to come back to that. We're going to pause. What I was trying to say was serious versus like funny and entertainment. Because what I'm seeing is politics infiltrating everything. Then what happens is, where's your entertainment, right? And it's like, if I'm one more just talking about politics and you're already worn out because you heard about that all day or you watch something or you've been on social media and that's what it's all about. It's like, you know what? Maybe maybe we bring some entertainment. That's where I think the NFC least has been good, but at the same time, it's my podcast and I'm going to do whatever I want. So I'm not necessarily beholden to my seven or eight listeners um, that I that I have consistently. So I do appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for always listening. Seriously, uh, you guys are awesome. And I'm I, for those of you who have been around for 
and listen to most of the episodes, I mean, more power to you. The fact that you enjoy listening to me ramble, I mean, that's that's more than my wife can say, but she has to spend every waking moment with me. So it's a little bit different, right? You guys just tune in when you feel like it to the episode that you feel like. So because not every episode is made the same and not every episode is meant to be listened by every person. But anyways, back to the point at hand. I don't know how I manage this. I also feel like I'm talking at a thousand miles an hour. So we're going to take, we're going to slow down a little bit because I'm getting fired up. But every app you open, it seems like, you know, so are you registered to vote? Which first of all, let me say the push to get people registered to vote is awesome. You know, voter turnout has not been great. I don't have any statistics around me. I've heard things like only 60% of people or, or something like that, or there's only six. I don't remember. I don't know. I know it's, it's. It's like a, a huge swath of the country like doesn't vote for various reasons. And there's all sorts of problems like one presidential election. I had to drive an hour and a half back to hometown to because I didn't realize that like, oh, crap, I didn't update my address to be in my current residence, in my current city. And so I'm still registered in that other county because I switched counties. So I've learned a lot. Right. And. I think it's great that everyone does need to get registered and go vote. But I think a lot of times it may, and maybe it's just because they don't want to put, you know, you don't want a headline to be too busy. Right. So it's, you know, get registered, go vote. I wish it was get registered, get informed, go vote. That's what I'm looking for. Get registered, get informed, go vote. Because let me tell you, a dumb vote is just about as good as no vote at all. Right. A vote that doesn't have any idea what it's doing which I'm call me a hypocrite right here because there's a couple on my on my local elections where I've tried to do the research and I can't really find nothing. So I'm just going to kind of make it. I guess I could just abstain and not fill that in. Maybe that's what I should do. But I am a Viking and Vikings just kind of do whatever they want and they don't need good reasons for it. So hmm, <laughs> also living in like a primarily Republican area. I don't know how close these races are. I think there's something I've found it kind of difficult to get informed on certain local things. And it, maybe it's a process. I've gotten a little bit better, gotten familiar with some of the things like our County Sheriff and County Commissioners and, and stuff like that. And there's some great sources and I'm sure you probably heard one of the ads or skipped one of the ads, but it's for like ballotready.org, which, uh, I actually, if you know me, you know that I, I at least want to know about like my sponsor. These are like charity sponsors that were kind of just thrown in my lap. So, because let's be honest, this thing ain't big enough to have any real sponsors yet. Well, that and I don't know any friends that really actually want to sponsor because, you know, small listener base, it's not, you, you weren't trying to reach more people, more peoples, which by the way, if you like this and you think you might know someone who might enjoy it, just Give it a give it a recommendation and a share. Help help your boy out. Let's create this little fun community. I've been I've been watching a lot of pay money wubby. If you don't know who he is, don't worry about it. He's a little streamer though, but it's cool to be like to be to be to be like, hey, he has his little stream, he'll go on Twitch and he has his little community. It's a lot of fun. So but anyways, every app, don't you love the rabbit trails I'm going down. Can't you tell I've had some pent up podcast episodes in here. We're seven minutes deep and I feel like I've said 7,000 words. So really impressive. Let's keep it coming. Every app though, right? And so that's my, that's my big, we can call it since we're on the topic of government amendment to that, right? I wish it was get registered, get informed, go vote. That's what I want it to be because the informed part is such a key part. Now, informed as best as you can, right? 
asbestos. <laughs> asbestos you can. Asbestos you can. Watch out for the cancer. Well, because, first of all, I think we're all learning, and you could disagree with me, that the mainstream media is, holy crap, there's a serious epidemic of there's so much information going out there, and people, and it's become so politicized that it's just, and bias have become so heavy that it's like, you can't trust it, right? So that's why, first of all, if you want some good good news, I, I don't really watch him as much anymore. Philip DeFranco is decent. A lot of the stories he follows, though, are like niche, like internet stories, I'm funny, like YouTubers and crap like that. And sometimes I'm like, I, I don't even know what this is. And I've gotten, I used to not really care. But then also, he is... Everybody has bias. I have freaking bias. I don't really run from it, though. I do try and sometimes be as objective as possible, and that's being willing to admit that I am wrong, that things aren't okay. I am hypocritical, and I'm willing to face that, right? Doesn't mean I may not try and justify it off just a little bit, but we're okay, right? So you you have all this, and so it's like you have to go, and the onus, the personal responsibility to get yourself informed and actually read it for yourself, not just follow headlines, not just watch five minutes of the nightly news on CNN, Fox News, whatever it may be, but to actually maybe go just read some articles. I'm not saying you need to do extensive research. It would be better, but if you could build a habit of at least being plugged into your community, which is what I'm trying to do here, then you can understand it all, and because your local stuff is really what drives your day-to-day, right? The at the end of the day, whoever becomes the president doesn't, like, it's not going to kill me, right? So let me say this. As somebody who's Trump 2020, and to quote the Hodge twins about it, yeah, that's their thing. But I love it so much, and I'm sorry I stole it, It's but I gave you credit, so it's not plagiarism. Is, like, if Joe wins, it's not the end of the world. The world's not going to explode. I don't think it's going to be the end of America. I think there are problems that can come with it because it's going to, things will turn a direction that I disagree with, but by and large say he wins, but we keep, but the Republicans keep the Senate. Then it's like, all right, it's kind of a non-starter. Right. And I mean, really a vote for Joe is a vote for Kamala. Like seriously, you can't hide from it anymore. He is, he said he couldn't remember Mitt Romney's name, whatever. That's a, that's a little guy. The problem is all these little gaffes, build up and equal so much, right? And I'm just like, it's so blatant, you can't ignore it. I will take the bumbling Twitter fiend, memer, who's abrasive over the, the, the deteriorating 50-year politician. He's not quite 50-year. I'm, 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 I'm doing that for emphasis. He's 47 years deep, though. And so it's just like, I'm, I'm, there's so many different angles of why I'm choosing the president I'm choosing. I think I'm going to say that for a different episode, though. So we're not going to go into deep, into deep about that. But that's a little synopsis, right? And now that's obviously my point of view. And some people just vehemently hate Trump and hate everything he's about. And that's fine. I know plenty of friends. And guess what? They're still friends. Sorry, I need a little swig of water. I'm talking. So coming in so hot with this, man. I'm I'm having a good time. I hope you're having a good time. But... Like I said, every app is asking me. I wish there was a universal way to mark my phone. First of all, I updated my registration as soon as I moved like a month and a half ago. And and that's all updated. I found my polling place. I've learned what's all about. I'm good to go. I need a solution for those of us who are good to go. Because 
I, I feel like even if I do click, because I don't want to click on it and be like, yes, I'm good to go. I'd rather just, I, I always have to click this little X out. And it's like, I look, I was just open to see this. I appreciate it being there, but it doesn't need to pop up in my face. So I wish there was a some sort of way I could mark my phone or my account as ready to go. And I might be an idiot and so just annoyed by how much I've seen it and not willing to maybe click down that rabbit hole. So I stop seeing it. And and maybe that's where I can then check that, which if there is, please email me at randomlyviking at gmail.com how to do that. Or if you have my personal contact, contact me that way because I'm so sick. I'm fine with it on, on some level, but it's getting a little annoying. Really where I'm, I don't want it at all is I've, when I open Yelp, yes, the restaurant app, Yelp. The place you go when you're like, where do I want to eat tonight? What is maybe hot and new around here? What's stuff I haven't tried, right? What's what's open currently? Can I do dining? What are your hours? Those sort of things. Yelp, the old reliable Yelp. Ask me if I'm registered to vote. Like it pops up in my face and it's like, you registered to vote? You good to go? And I'm like, hey, I appreciate the gesture, but I'm here because I'm hungry. And when I'm hungry, I'm not really interested in talking about who I'm going to vote for in that moment. I'm looking for food. Like when I'm hungry, not like, oh, I'm hungry. I want to eat a little. I can't wait for dinner. Like I'm hungry now looking to eat now-ish or in the very near future. Don't derail my train of thought. As you can tell from this 13 and a half minutes already, we've been in this podcast you can tell, you get derailed, it can really, I mean, you know if you've been listening to me, it's the rambling Viking. You start on a ramble, you can just go, 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 and go. Holy crap, man. And so it's like, look, I'm, I'm looking for food, and you come in here like that, now I'm half past pissed off, and I'm, you know what, I might even just close the app and go to Chick-fil-A or something like that, right? Or I might just go make a sandwich and need to cool off. You might be saying, wow, this feels a little extreme, you have some serious hanger issues. You need to go to a hangertarian, <clears throat> which is a therapist for hangry people who have who have uh, <clears throat> oversensitive hanger glands. So, thus making them totally irrational, and could get them to a point where they actually just basically become violent zombies because of their hanger. Look, I don't reach that point all the time, all right? That's not me. I don't need that. But you might be thinking that, right? No, it's okay. I'm just saying, as an intense person, it's like, I'm trying to do X, and you just try and slide a baby Y right in front of my face real quick and do that, and it's like, hold on, no, 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 let me do X, and we can talk about that. But, like, I just want to be like, okay, everyone's behind this. And the message is out there. Go vote. Which, first of all, I've been told that my entire life. And I realize not everyone has. And that hasn't been the universal messaging. It's kind of funny that literally every corporation now, every single thing I feel like is telling me to go vote. I go to the freaking... I feel like if I go to like the, the auto car... Stupid. Like the automatic car wash. I feel like it'll be like... Do you want the deluxe wash? And you know how they always pop up. What about adding hot wax for $2 or whatever? You know, trying to upsell you. I feel like, are you registered to vote? No, I just want to get, well, yes, but I'm just here to get the car wash. Leave me alone. I haven't seen that as somebody who went to the car wash today, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. And to me, it's like, there's a certain point where it's like, it's put a little yard sign at the car wash. 
and maybe with like a text line, it's like, hey, if you want to find out, go. But like, don't like be tactful about it, right? Don't throw it in my face as soon as I come in. Make it an option in the app. But and while I'm on Yelp, I'll just touch on the whole. They will now mark restaurants that have been accused of racist behavior, which I just feel is it's so well intentioned. But I just think it's you're going to see so many problems. We, we already live in a whistleblower culture where one little thing happens and to, it's not to your liking. And, and you, I mean, reviews are the way that things are run. And so it's just like, so it's like, that's what people look, you go to Yelp. It's like the Yelp reviews, businesses care about these, right? They care about their star rating because it's meaningful. You have the Yelp elite program, which I think would be cool to be in, but I really just don't review that hard. And I think I get jumbled up and I want to do cool elaborate reviews and it just doesn't work out. And so I do these weird concise reviews. I don't know, man. But nonetheless, reviews are a big deal. And so you see, you you know, you've seen efforts to review bomb people where you just get you and all your friends, anyone, you know, to go and just rate. And, and it's like, you, most of them have never actually been there. You were the only one went there. You had a bad experience. It's like, first of all, put your bad review, but be honest about it because it's made us hypersensitive to anything that goes not to our liking. We become, it's kind of like the Stanford prison experiment. If you're not familiar, look it up. But basically, the people who were the guards, right? Power kind of, kind of makes you drunk a little bit. It makes you act outside of outside of how you would normally act if, you, if, you, if I was just a person talking to another person. But no, I'm the guard. You're the prisoner. I've got the power. And it kind of, like, I, since we're in a day and age where microaggressions are a thing, I'll say micro. Uh, micro corruption kind of micro corrupts you to um, just you know a little bit and makes you almost a little bit evil like well I see the same thing when I like if I know I want to review a place like when we were on our honeymoon in Hawaii you know it's like ah oh, I'm gonna leave your reviews for these places but you and you know going in like I go and then I check in which by the way if you don't check in to every restaurant you go to on Yelp already start doing it. And even if that's all you do, because that's 95% of what I do, but do it because you'll find that you'll find more random places that give you like 10% off or um, give you like some random cool appetizer or a free drink, something just for checking in. And it's like, oh, worth it. I haven't seen it. It hasn't happened to me in probably a year now, but for a while it was, I was getting, I was like every fourth or fifth restaurant I went to was like, oh, that's cool. That's super cool. But and that's incentive, obviously, to leave a good review, but I lost where I was. Yeah, check in everywhere you go. Because, oh, because something about being in the mindset of reviewing makes me think, okay, how does this water taste? Is it a little bit off? Is my lemonade lemony enough or is it too sugary? Is it not sugary enough? Do they give me bendy straws or straight straws? What's going on here? My napkin was a little bit damp. Which actually would be a bad thing. My napkin was a little bit tilted to the left when I came to the table or whatever. or You know, something silly. And it's like, the salt was more than half empty. You should refill your salt and pepper shakers once they get halfway immediately. And it's just like, what is... One time I caught myself and I was like, am I being like way too critical? Because when you think about it, when you go out to eat, what are you looking, right? I'm looking to get good service and good food and have a good time. So... 
first things first, like how's the atmosphere, right? Some places you can't go and music is too loud. It's also personal preference too. That's the other thing on Yelp you have to look out for. And so you always kind of want to build and showcase through your review what you, I didn't realize it was going to be a how-to Yelp review, but here we are. You always want to use your review, kind of showcase who you are a little bit, but also leave it open for interpretation. So it's like, like, like kind of shell out your personality. And I think you can usually see it, see what, what you like, but then also say like, look, this is what I liked. You know, if you like this thing, this, it has loud music and lots of TVs. I don't like that. I'm not going to review it less necessarily. I mean, you could, you could go four instead of five, but say, I know that a lot of people like that. Being able to understand what, 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 that you may not be in the popular, or they're just maybe two separate factions on something. You may not be in the popular opinion, or you're just in X opinion versus Y opinion, but both are pretty prominent, and being able to acknowledge as important, because I think we get too caught up in, I didn't like this, the review, and some people will do that because sometimes the businesses will like reach out and like try and make it up to you and get free food. That's crappy. Don't do that. I mean, if it's actually a bad time and the food's bad, but like most people... You just want a good atmosphere. You just want to go up. You want your food to, you know, come in a timely manner. And that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I always say, look, I will wait a little bit longer for absolutely fresh food. I don't need it to be here in two minutes and 30 seconds. Sometimes I am starving and I definitely think that I do. But I always tell myself, you're going to enjoy it so much more. Wait, wait 10 plus minutes for an actual meal when you order an actual meal, right? This isn't, this isn't a McDouble for McDonald's, but yeah, I wait 10, 12 minutes for my food because you know what that means? That means they took the order back, they got it in the kitchen, they got all the ingredients and they made it fresh right there and then it comes hot to me, super fresh. It's not like, oh, it came in five minutes. It's like, oh, this is being warmed up in 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 a pot of water. It's being kept warm, but it was cooked two and a half hours ago. I don't want that. Leave that alone and uh, don't do that. But like you really are, I think when you when you think about it, you really are pretty casual about your satisfaction or at least this is what I would think like like generally like if you go in and you're not worried about any reviews you go into a place you're like you say okay this is a this is a good time right like the food was good it wasn't super crazy price there's nothing weird that happened boom that should be five out of five four out of five but for whatever reason whenever you start getting that review mind you're just like mm, every little thing I, that door the door the door ding the door chime was just a little bit too loud or uh, the AC wasn't evenly dispersed enough the vents were too direct and so you'd have cold spots and hot spots which can be a real problem I seem to be pointing out real problems but that's not going to drop it to a one star review is really what I'm getting at so all this to say Yelp don't worry about if I'm registered or not. I appreciate the gesture, but don't worry about it, please. I'm here to grub. I'm trying to get my grub on and nothing else, okay? Let's be clear about that. So leave it alone. <clears throat> now, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk some football, right? We're not going to talk NFC least. That is its own animal. That is only it's <laughs> being fed least and growing into the leastest beast that will just be so leased by the end of the season. It'll be incredible, but it, it needs its own episode, and I definitely think I at least need Connor there. <clears throat> Hopefully we can, get, we can get our resident Cowboys fan here on it. Maybe it's next week. We'll see. We'll see, or sometime soon. But overtime rules. So I found myself explaining some of the overtime rules to my wife, 
was it last night, a couple nights ago, or something like that, because we watched a game. We went to bed, and then just I was like, I'll see where the game's at, and it was going into overtime. The NFL has partially fixed their rules, but they are so broken. So I actually like I like the college better. So each team gets a possession starting on the 25. There's no time going, but you still have your, your chains, and so that puts you at the 15 and then at the 5. So you basically have... <clears throat> Three, you have 12 downs. You'll have three sets of four downs to get there if you, you know, get a first down. So you score a touchdown. It does not end the game. The other team, both teams get a chance to possess the ball starting on 25. I definitely think it's like offense heavy, like maybe put them at the 40 or something like that. But that could draw out over time. They're trying to make it quick. I get it, right? So field goal or touchdown, the other team is still going to get their chance. Now, once you get a chance, it's over, right? However, I can see where if you both just, <clears throat> nobody can really score because that's red zone territory and that's a, kind of a different ball game for some teams as far as their schemings go. And you get field goal, field goal, field goal. You can go to four overtimes like you did with OU Texas. Now, that's, but when, but it's kind of, there's, there's nuance to it because once you start talking multiple overtimes, like past second overtime, like you should start talking, amending certain rules. And I think they did. Whereas like you had to go for two and stuff like that. But the NFL almost fixed it. Almost. I mean, they made these changes years ago. First problem, a game can end in a tie. The Eagles proved that with the Bengals once again, doing their once a decade tie. So last decade, I think it was 08 or 09, they tied with Cincinnati. That's burned in my brain, actually. When, that, when, that, when this happened this season, I was like, dude, that happened like in 08, and it was stupid. And guess what? It happened again, and it's stupid. The fact, let the ties be left soccer and other sports, other lesser sports, but we're talking kind of the GOAT here, at least in, you know, the U.S., which is the only country, the most important country, and so the fact that Soccer is what's important. The rest of the world can kick rocks. Um, I'm saying that as a soccer fan. I enjoy it. But nonetheless, the NFL is not... Soccer, I think, is more built to be able to handle ties. Football, though, is not. Don't do it. Don't. And the fact that it can happen after the first overtime is so stupid. I actually just tied Madden the other day. Believe it or not, it was... A dumb game. A lot of a lot of mistakes on my part. I threw like two or three interceptions, so I should have blasted them out of the water, but I just kept letting them come back and then had to fight back and then freaking, ugh, it was frustrating, right? But you can tie, first problem. El- eliminate the tie, right? We need subsequent overtimes or sudden death things. Like in, like you have, like when games were, that can't end in a tie in, in soccer, right? You get, you go to additional time and then you do, and then you do PKs, right? So, Overtime in football, and then something similar to PKs, which would be your kicker, right? People say, "Oh, I don't you know shouldn't let the whole game hinge on the kicker." Well, people already do that anyways, and if we've gotten this far, both teams have had enough chances to end the game right there. So why didn't they, right? Well, so so now guess what? It's up to your kicker, right? And that's how the rules go. So I don't feel bad for you there, but and I. I'm really stealing that from Pat McAfee. That's been his big push is like go kick for kick. And I'm like, I, I love it. I think that, I think that's super fun. Right. And you just keep moving it back. You move it back five yards or 10 yards or whatever. And you start at 35 yards or 40 yards. And then you just move it back five yards and first guy to miss. And if they both, both miss, then it's like, I don't know how you'd solve it at that point. 
but kick for kick and maybe you get five kicks or something like that. I don't know, but no ties. So let's solve that problem, right? We need subsequent overtimes. Secondly, the fact that you can still, you receive, and if you score a touchdown, you just win. No holds bar is stupid. So it used to be you just had to score, period, right? And then they were like, no, if you kick a field goal, then the other team will get a possession, will, you know, will get the ball, and then we'll get a chance. Field goal's not good enough. But touchdowns, they're still good enough. Why? Why? Why, if, like, if we want to be fair and balanced here, and you may say, what? Well, because literally all it takes for you to potentially absolutely win the game is just win the coin toss. Now, if you're the Eagles and the Bengals, once once every 10 or 12 years or so, you're going to be like, you're going to both mutually agree, no, we're just going to both suck real hard, not even be able to get field goals in overtime, and we're just going to tie. Well... Like, uh, so that's, that's stupid, right? It's like you, you, you almost did it. Like you halfway fixed the problem and it's still there. Cause I was telling her, I was like, okay, look, if you score a touchdown, then you automatically win. The other team doesn't get a chance. But I was like, but if you just kick a field goal, the other team gets a chance. Like, see how complicated this would be? It should just be, it's just another quarter. Just play out the, the other quarter. Now you might end up ending in a tie, but I'd be fine even with, if you really want it to be efficient, right? So first and foremost, touchdown does not guarantee a win if you score and that's the opening drive once both teams have a chance to possess the ball then we can talk right then it can be like golden goal like next score wins but even then it's like all yeah all one team has to do is get back in field goal range but and I don't know football is enough strategery that I think it could kind of cut your chance short. That would be the most efficient way, right though both teams get it like you you start playing your quarter and then both teams possess the ball then it's like, all right, game. Um, I guess you technically still have to run out the clock. So maybe what it would be is more like the college, right? You don't worry about time. You just get it. I would honestly be interested in seeing that. I think that's a super efficient way to do it. You can get pigeonholed into field goals, but we can talk about that problem when it, you know when it goes to it. So if they went to the college, <clears throat> my first thing is I think it – in overtime, there's no PATs. It's go for two. So you could, you're could you always potentially going for the win. So even if you do score, it's like you have to go for two, which means the other team, if they go down and score, they have to go for two. Now, they could tie it up, and if they tie it up, well, guess what? It's a quarter. Keep playing it out, and you just play it out. It's a normal quarter. I, With how it's structured now, I think that's the easiest way to amend it. It's just say, look, touchdown doesn't win it. You have to go for two. There's no PATs. And, and you know, last man standing with the most points wins. And, you know, it's, I don't know if it's 10 or 15 minutes, whatever it is. And I think it's an extra 10 minutes or something like that, but you just play it out. Now you totally shift to the college and say, all right, each team starts at the 40. There's no time per se, you know, you still have your play clock, but you just keep it going. Right. They're, they're just, they're, they're broken. They're not fixed. They're not broken. It's kind of like our healthcare system in a lot of ways. Like there are, there are good parts, like they fix some of it, but then there's still ways that it's very, very, very broken and it's not okay. So I like the idea, if, if I were to decide the overtime rules, I'd honestly, I'm leaning pretty heavily towards going the college route. Now, for subs, so first and foremost, you have to go for two. In college, it's after the first overtime. I think the professionals should expect it to be better, so it should be from the first overtime you have to go for two, right? And, I'm, and I'd say 35. You each start at the 30, your own, or the other team's 35, and then you go from there. 
instead of the 25 that college does and make it a little bit harder. The field goal would be a little bit longer if all you scored was a field goal. So it would basically just be a little bit tougher. And and then, like, yeah, you'd have to go for two immediately. And after the second overtime, if you go to two overtimes, so say both teams kick field goals or both teams score and go for two or whatever, it's kick for kick time. I love that idea. And I'm on the fence still about whether I'd want it just to be the kicker out there. And you get his little kickstand and he just launches it like warm-ups. Or... I think it's still set up like a normal field goal because that's added pressure. I like that. There's a weird like reverse psychology way that the other way actually gives you more pressure, but at the same time, I mean, have the potential for a block, right? So basically the other team's still in it. There's incentive to try and block the field goal. There's the pressure from the kicker from I'm, and there's no ice in the kicker either. You just kick it right straight kick for kick. So you get out there now that would require more time because you have to get set up. I, well, actually, no, you could have you could have them set up on opposite sides of the 50, and it's like, all right, you kick, now you guys kick, now you guys kick, now you guys kick. And I think you'd want to start at the 25, you know, you know the I think the 25, start at 42-yard field goal, right? For those of you who don't know, you had 17 yards from where the ball is at because now if you're looking at the point from which the ball is being kicked, it's only 10 yards because of the end zone, but the placeholder is always seven yards back from the line of scrimmage. So it's 17 yards from the line of scrimmage, and that is your kick total. So 25-yard line, that's a 42-yard field goal. Boom. Easy math. <clears throat> so I think there's a case. I could go either way. Either you just set the kickers up right there, and they start at the 25, and they move back five. And then if it was just them kicking from the 25, then it would be a 35-yard field goal, which I, I would say start at the 30, and so it's a 40, right? And you just go up. You start 40-plus because the game's on the line at that point, everyone's tired. And so kick for kick, uh, either no team or or team, either way on that. But that that's that's if we went the college structure route, that's what I would say. Now, let's let's amend it from the NFL point of view, right? And you might be sick of talking about overtime, but I'm not. So you feel free to turn me off and maybe come back in a few minutes. But the other way would be so you play out the quarter, it's a 10 minute quarter, whatever it is, and you just, you play it out, right? So you have your, um, you guys go, you have to go for two, no PATs, <clears throat> you play it out, you get to the end, you're tied, kick for kick, because we, football games are already long enough, we don't need to drag it out that much more, I think after the first overtime in the regular season, it's kick for kick. Now, playoffs, you can, you can make a case that maybe it's some sort of double overtime, but kick for kick time, homie. Or it's two-point conversion. This is another idea you can do. Two-point conversion for two-point conversion. Get set up on the hash, you run two-point conversions against each other, right? And once again, you set up on opposite ends of the field for efficiency's sake, and so it's like, all right, you guys are going first down here. Boom, go for it. Because it's offense and defense, and so you don't have crossover positions, really. And then the other team's offense, and then the other offense and the other defense are down the other end of the field, and you just boom, back and forth. And those are full plays, and it's like you have five tries, whoever has more than five tries, or it's just like you go. You don't get it? All right, if you get it, you get, oh, you didn't get it? All right, you go again. And just like that. All right, same thing with field goals. So I would love to know your thoughts on how you would change the NFL's policy for overtime, or how would you change even the college overtime, right? <clears throat> Let me know. 
and maybe we can come on and talk about it. It could be a longer conversation. But the NFL is what I would do is just basically just full stop, come out and be like, both teams need to possess the ball. And if you still want to do the sudden death style, don't even like put time on the clock, I guess. Put like 15 minutes. But then it's like, okay, after both teams possess, you could make it where it's like, look, if you don't get the first down, so you're the second team to possess and you don't get the first down or you don't go down and match the score, then it's over. But at that point, you're just the college method, right? So it's like, you might as well just play it out and just play it out. Just let it freaking play out. None of this stupid, it's halfway sudden death, but it's also an extra quarter. Just make it freaking sudden death if that's going to be the case, right? And let and go full college or play it out and actually just play it out. You have to go for two on everything. And it's like, that's going to be clear, decisive winner there, all right? Because there's just, it's so silly right now. It's so broken and annoying. The fact that you can have a tie and the Eagles can only be a half game back from in the NFC East, so freaking stupid. But there we are. So, yeah, NFL overtime rules are broken, and I realized explaining that to my wife, just how annoying that was. Like, I was already annoyed with it. I think we all know that they are broken, but those are some of my ideas in ways that you could take it. We'd love to know your ideas, how you weigh in on the 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 just the kicker in the tee or full special teams output what yardage you would start out at i think i think 40 is reasonable maybe it's too short but honestly even in college like yeah four overtime it was four overtimes it was cool but i I felt like it was way too easy to go four overtimes so i don't know i don't know i've kind of talked myself out of it so I think that's a good place to close it out, right? We're almost at 40 minutes. I had a few more things to say, and I'm not sure if I actually want to dive into them this episode. We're going to dive into them now because it's relevant, right? We got that comfort. We're going to switch gears in and go kind of back political, I guess. So we're going to... The Senate, I need to address the hypocrisy that is being reported, and I think is a little bit... I watched a clip of Lindsey Graham. It's a little bit relevant, right? So... Amy Coney Barrett, the big talk of the town, because we're trying to conform. We're trying to confirm a Supreme Court justice. I'm trying to, sorry, I think my dog is chewing on the carpet, so I'm having to glance. She totally is. Anyways, trying to confirm a Supreme Court justice, and the election is a little under a month away. And the Senate's trying to do that, and everyone's complaining. So, first and foremost. Let me just kind of lay out what exactly, like, something thing, we can address the problems with some of the rhetoric that we've used in years past regarding this sort of thing. But from just a factual level, there's no real precedent. There's no real problem with doing this. This is totally legal and totally able to do it. The Senate and the presidency are both of the same party and are both like, why not? Go ahead. And it's happened 29 times before in election years. And how many times you heard of the midnight appointments? You've never heard of those? So that's basically after a president has been elected out between election day and inauguration day, the president who's been voted out, they would, they would stay up burning the midnight oil and do their midnight appointments, meaning they would try and send or appoint certain judges and stuff like that between that time in that, in that, in that, uh, kind of lame duck area where it's like, you're no longer going to be the president. You're going to do that. And I think there's stuff that doesn't allow for that anymore, but nonetheless, it's like, 
this has been a thing. So first and foremost, ha- if the situation was flipped, I have no doubt that, and I, and I, and I want to hold both parties to the same. I have no doubt that if the, the situation was flipped, you would have Republicans crying out that it shouldn't be done, let the American people decide, and you'd have Democrats saying, no, we're going to go ahead and push it through, right? Um, but there's nothing technically wrong with it, right? And if you look back at 2016, there's nothing technically wrong with what the Republicans did. They basically said, we're not going to, we're not going to vote to nominate or vote to appoint, confirm. Thank you. That's the term. vote to confirm. You can Obama, con- Obama appointed, nominated dead <laughs> I'm stuck on this word appointment. Obama nominated. And the Senate said, no, we don't want to. And it would have been fine. It would have been fine for Republicans. You, you really shot yourself in the foot in, in how hard you went in on playing the party politics and trying to take the high road and listen to me. I'm so much better than you. That's one thing about politics that I think we can all agree on is just a huge problem. It's like both parties will try and like when they have the upper hand or whatever, they'll, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, this is the this is the righteous way to do it. And then, but when they're not, they're like, no, nah, we're going to go ahead and do it, even though we said that we shouldn't do that thing. And which they, uh, technically a lot of them did say, hey, don't do it, it's an election year. But I do want to say one significant factor. Now, what's funny is they even shot themselves in the foot twice because they didn't address this part. But in 2016, Obama nominated. They were like, no, nah, we're not going to confirm. Totally within the right. And they would have just said, no, we don't want to confirm because you're a lame duck president, meaning you've served your two terms. You are not up for a re-election. And we think we can win this next election. And guess what? You're the opposing party to what the Senate majority is. So we're not going to do it. And we want to wait for the next president because we believe the next president will be of our same party. And if not, then they will probably hold true the Democratic Party. Who knows? You might just nominate the same person you nominated. And then it's like, well, we'll vote to confirm. But they just wanted to wait. And if they would have just said that, it would have been fine. We wouldn't be, I mean, you'd still see people complain, but they had to go up on this stupid principle rant and tirade and try and like posture and, and, and virtue signal a little bit. And now Mitch McConnell, what he said was kind of like, he, he kind of kept it in full context, but he still talked about, they really leaned too hard into the fact that it was an election year. What they should have leaned into is the fact it's an election year for a lame duck president, meaning you will not return to office. Because I think if if you're up for re-election like Trump is this year, I think, okay, why not? You know, we can go and hear it. However, if you're opposing parties, say we're opposing parties and we think we're going to win this election. So we're just going to hold off a little bit. Now there is reason to say it's like, hey, how long is too long? And I think... I think if you're outside of the year mark, like if it was last fall and this happened and, and you know, say the Democrats were the majority, they're no, we want to wait till the election. You say, absolutely not because we're, you know, year plus out. And I, granted, they were eight months out, so it's still kind of a long time. They were in the year though, and the, the campaigns are really starting up strong and you had the primaries and stuff like that. So, you know, it is what it is in that, in that respect. But the problem like, I literally watched this video of Lindsey Graham talking about, use my words against me. And I'm like, oh, you didn't say that, you cocky son of a gun. You got cocky, didn't you, right? And this is coming from a conservative, right? And this is also something that I'm trying to show is that, like, I can be critical of my own party because I think I've really, Tim Pool has given me a light bulb moment in saying that, like, he's not, he, he's like, he's like, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, he goes, I, I'm more liberal leaning, he goes, but I'm anti-establishment, and that's why he is now voting for Trump, and I realize that's why, a big part of why I'm, 
I am too. I'm going to vote the same way is because Democrat and Republican both alike. There are establishment aplenty, right? The establishment is the, I think, in large part, the problem. It's those career politicians who get in there for 45 freaking years, 47 if you're Joe Biden. But like you get in there, you stay in there and you kind of just get in the rut of like, ah, this is what I do. And it's like, no, you're supposed to have a civil or civic duty to your constituents and represent. And so I honestly am in favor of term limits. It's kind of a sticky situation because I think there are good arguments for like how term limits could actually hurt, but maybe there's at least a conversation to be had. It's like, look, 25, like we can start high, right? 25 years. And then maybe, and maybe said it and be like, look, it wouldn't be below. Well, even 25 years, that's four Senate terms because those are six years. But I, yeah, I don't know. You know, that's a different conversation for another day. But so I will say this. I will acknowledge this. The Republicans definitely are sounding or definitely are, I guess, in, in terms of what, what their words said versus what their actions are doing, being a little hypocritical. And however, I will also say this. It's politics. And how many times from both sides do we see this kind of nonsense? Where you say when the other side's doing something you don't like, you, you call it out and you try and virtue signal a little bit. But then when the script is, script is flipped and you're in a position where you can kind of do something uh, and you do it and they try and call you out for the same reasons, it's like, all right, th- th- part of this is the game of politics. And I think it's getting a little bit blown out of proportion, meaning like you were supposed to set a precedent. And, but I think there's also a good case for it's like they really tried to lean in that too hard because they didn't anticipate that they would be in control of the Senate and the presidency and it would be like freaking two months out and they would be like, yeah, we're going to confirm. <laughs> and Which I'm sitting here saying, yeah, go ahead and confirm, which by the way, I listened to a lot of the hearings and caught highlights. She's qualified, all right? Let's not get too political with these judges. You need to be qualified. Now, people are getting worried about Roe v. Wade and stuff like that, which first of all, Roe v. Wade isn't, isn't all, all overturning Roe v. Wade would be meaning that it would just be up to the states. It would be a state-by-state issue, abortion would be, which I think it should be anyways. And so not even from the standpoint of me being pro-life in that I think Roe v. Wade should be overturned, but just from kind of my politics standpoint, I think that should just be a state issue. I think if New York and California want to make abortion you know, all three trimesters legal, then they can do that. And I think if certain states are like, look, only first trimester, they can do that. And I think other states are like, no, no abortion here. And they should be able to do that. This federal mandate, that's all Roe v. Wade is, is it's, it's unconstitutional to make abortion illegal is really what it is. And that's, that's kind of, and so you know, that's a little bit of my stance, but anyways, super well qualified. And it's like, all right, you're well qualified. The judiciary, judiciary, judiciary is not, you know, activist political. It is political to an extent because obviously, you know, you're going to try and get people that line up with your views, but I don't like the posture that's coming from the democratic side in the sense of, you know, people are saying, well, you refuse to do this. And then, you know, Merrick Garland was a perfectly good judge. And it's like, don't, don't, I just don't want to play this game from either side. Right. Like be like, you were crappy to us. So now that's why we're being crepit to you. And it's like, how about let's just not pretend like, can we just stop pretending that the the party politics aren't a thing? Meaning that like, look, when your party's in power, you're going to want to do X, you know, you're going to want your judging. And if you're not in power, guess what? Then, then we're not going to, we're not going to confirm this one because we disagree with it. And so it's just like, that, that is how our system is built so that 
we can't fall into a one-party system where the party controls everything, right? So you, so no one branch party becomes too powerful. It is a part of the checks and balances, and it's good. Now, when we're in a situation like this, where guess what? They line up. It's like, all right, let's get her confirmed. Let's do it. And honestly, my biggest case for why she should be confirmed <laughs> and why we need a full court is because of the uncertainty around this election. And now some people will criticize me that, you know, there's no evidence of mail-in voter fraud, which is a lie. I can go find several videos. <laughs> You've seen it's had its problems, right? And I mean, how is it not going to have its problems when you have record mail-in voting turnout? Like record, meaning, you know, say it went, say it was 20%. Now it's going to be like 55%. These aren't real numbers. Don't fact check me on those numbers, but I'm just giving you the idea, right? Or even 20 to 40%. That would double and all of a sudden, we're just supposed to be able to handle that and everything's supposed to work out. And with how polarized things have become, you just expect people aren't going to try and cheat and throw out stuff or fill out people's ballots for them. No, absolutely not. Now, there's a, the question becomes the level to which you know, we are willing to accept problems because every system is going to have its problems, right? But what's an ex- kind of like with COVID, right? Anybody who tries to talk like there could have been zero to little to no deaths and they just want to talk in abstract and not use real numbers, be like 200,000 deaths is too many. It's like, well, was it? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's tragic, sure. But they were predicting two to five million. They were predicting in the millions initially and all these bunk studies and epidemiologists who were making these stupid predictions in the millions. And it's like, if you want to look at what kind of people thought it could be and what it has turned out to be, it's like, it's a mixed bag for me, right? I'm not fully settled on it. I'm like, I don't know. if, But... People always just say, oh, it's just too many. Okay, well, how many is acceptable? Because guess what? People were going to die. I'm willing to say tens of thousands of people were going to die regardless of how good our response was because it's a global pandemic of a new virus we've never seen before. Is that so unreasonable? Does that sound heartless? Check yourself. If you're sitting here saying, I'm super heartless, I'm just going to say, look, check it for a second, right? Because the same thing is true with automobiles. The same thing is true with drinking, right? Drinking is totally, you know, and we have a huge drinking and driving problem and people dying from alcoholism. Same thing with guns, right? People killing themselves using that for suicide, which different also kind of, but cars, how many car fatalities, automobile fatalities are there because there's car wrecks and bad driving and drunk driving. And so there's a crossover there. And so it's just like, but that there is an acceptable amount. And I'm not saying that in the heartless way, saying I don't care about the lives lost. I'm just saying that is the nature of reality sometimes, right? Kind of like how I say we can't have a perfect world. We can only have the best good. There's always going to be fault. There's always going to be poor people. There's always going to be, there's always going to be drugs. There's always going to be problems. It's just how much can we minimize the problems realistically without doing substantial damage, like falling into complete tyranny or something like that, right? And we just have to have a reasonable conversation. That's what I'm looking for here. Reasonable conversation. Fun fact, if you made it this far, I still don't know what I'm going to call this episode. I thought I had some ideas, but it's been a weird one. So I'm excited to see what it's going to turn out to be. But all that to say, it's like, I'm for confirming, oh, I didn't get to that point. (laughs) But basically, with the uncertainty around and the polarization and the worrisome about with all these mail-in ballots, 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 you know, the the concern is going to be on election night, we're going to have a certain result. But then, you know, for three weeks, we're going to have mail-in ballots coming in. So there has to be some, some kind of deadline. It's like we can only go delay so long knowing the official result, right? And so, so we're put in this situation where I think there's a realistic conversation to be had about things going into chaos with this election and and who won it so much so that we end up 
you know, it ends up having to be heard before the court and the Supreme Court could ultimately decide. I'm not super well versed on it, but I do know that ultimately the Supreme Court can be left to decide in a certain situation under a contended, contested election, whatever you want to call it. But they, and so right there, there's a huge point. It's like, you just need nine justices because you don't want an even number. You need to be able to close that case and say, we didn't have enough judges, well then guess what? And it got to that point and it goes 4-4. It's like, you know, go to the next thing. And, you know, the system is insulated. But I think that's a good, I think that's a pretty decent reason to say, look, we just at least need a judge. And Amy Coney Barrett, despite where you fall on party politics, I think is a good, great candidate for the job. Sounds like she understands what a judge is supposed to be, impartial, not a political activist. I'm, you know, stay true to what our constitution says. I'm here to, to make rulings on cases on and how it relates to the constitution. I'm not here to get my personal agenda done. And that's really what you want to judge. You want that impartiality. And so whether you truly like her or not, I think we could at least agree. And I'm not saying this and definitely had a conversation uh, on the interwebs where I, I brought up that point and they said, Oh, so you know what Trump's, you know, Trump's to nominate a justice so that then they'll rule in his favor when it's time to decide the election. I'm like, that's, I don't think that's what the point of that is. I'll look into that some more, but no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I want an actual court to be able to, to make the impartial decision as judge should to whoever she's not beholden to rule in favor of Trump. If the election gets hung and goes to the Supreme court, right? no, I'm saying I want a court so that we won't go to a tie vote in any instance. I want a full court so that, guess what? If they look at everything and they say, looks like Biden and Harris won, they can say that. I want a clear decision because the longer we go without a clear decision, potentially the worse things are going to get. Like we've already seen with plenty of riots and unrest in different parts around the country. It's like that can come to a neighborhood near you. Like you shouldn't rule that out. We've seen them going through neighborhoods and now it could come to a neighborhood near you. And I don't want that. I want the best possible transition, whether it's a reelection from Trump or a Biden, you know, Biden getting elected and checking the last box on his bucket on his political bucket list. I finally was president. Um, but there, yeah, I've, like I said, I won't get into that because that's a different thing for a different episode. But wow, we just did like a whole other 10 minutes on that. So if you made it this far, thanks so much for listening. I'm going to wrap that up here. That's long enough. Y'all have heard enough. would love to know, seriously, any and all thoughts that you may have on this. Uh, send them to the rambling Viking at gmail.com. And I mean, if you have enough thoughts, maybe we can talk, look into coming on an episode. I love having guests on being able to talk in person because you know, you realize you sit here and you talk to yourself and you make a lot of sense and you sound real good and you kind of try to maybe play devil's advocate with yourself, but you maybe don't do it justice and there's perspectives that you miss. So it's, you know, it's good to have someone there in the moment, maybe to say like, Hey, what about this? And you have to have a hard conversation about it because as a viewer of somebody who's seen those conversations on Joe Rogan, on Tim, Tim Poole, whatever, it's really cool to see those interactions. And it actually, you actually feel like, Oh, I'm getting something accomplished. I'm not just listening to this person ran about why they're bad and go listen to the other person ran about why the first person was bad. No, that's not what, not, you know, that's not what's going on here. So Seriously, love knowing all your thoughts. If you like the podcast and you're still listening, meaning you keep, you know, you're 
and every episode listener or you listen to the podcast, seriously, give it a share. Let's grow this listener base a little bit. I would, as much as this is just a casual hobby, of course, why wouldn't I want my podcast to be successful? So uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you subscribe, share it, all that good crap. You know what to do, but we'll see you next time.